Welcome, welcome to the Bull, the Bear, and my brother's chair, hosted by Brian Lucius, myself, and Nate Lucius, who is the brother in the brother's chair. Good, Nate, what's good afternoon. Well, um, lots happening, and in fact, today's episode is uh, kind of a, we've got some breaking news to talk about. <laughs> we, we are not going to have a guest on today. Which, this is the third year that we've postponed a guest. Every breaking news. Every season, we want to do at least one show where it's just the two of us without a guest. Yep. So the breaking news, I hope everybody's seated. What? Inflation. Inflation? Is it is it high? Inflation is high. And inflation we're going to talk. High. We're going to talk inflation. We're going to talk about what does that mean? Maybe a little bit of taxes. Okay. Uh, talk a little bit about retiring, income planning, uh, where inflation's at. Uh, also breaking news, it's not going to stay here forever. No. Okay. But when it happens, it's painful. And we that haven't seen that in a long time. <clears throat> well, in fact, the inflation right now is at a 40-year high. So on April 12th, they issued the inflation uh, uh, increases for m- March, which was at 8.5%, which is actually the highest since December of 1981. So a lot of people may remember the 70s and 80s and the inflation that occurred there. A lot of people were so young, it didn't even bother them because they were in their teens or not even born yet in some cases. So inflation's obviously high. We've got market volatility kicking in. I think the as of today, the NASDAQ is down around 20%. S&P is down a little more than 10%. So uh, Dow S&P Jones is like close 15, to 10. isn't it? Actually, was thirteen point four nine as of the story. as we recorded, and today <clears throat> yes. it's down another three. Today it's another three. We're breaking it. So things change rapidly. You've got all that to into take into consideration, and then you have, of course, the ever popular uh, discussion of taxes, in which you know the question is: Do we pay a lot in taxes or a little in taxes? We will touch on that as well, and then of course, what do I do about all these things? Okay, inflation's high, markets down, taxes are maybe high and going higher. What do we do to start there? So, but let's start with inflation. All right. Let, let, let's break this down a little bit. So, you know, people say when you look at retirement income planning, okay, when you're forecasting, you got a 20, 30, 40 year run, typically use what? 2%, 3%, somewhere yeah, in that which ballpark. Which is a healthy inflation rate. Yeah. Which is an average inflation, 2.8, whatever the number is. But if we really look at inflation, and I would encourage you guys to do this, everyone throws out 7% or 8%. Is it going to stay there forever? It's not. It can't. Think about compounding your spending at 8% a year right. over 20 years. Like that's, that's not realistic, right? At some point, that doesn't work. But when you break down inflation, he threw out the number 8%. I think, I don't know if it was 8 or 8.2 or 7.9, somewhere in there. Eight and a half. So when you break it down by sector, and you can do this, right? You Google inflation by sector, and there's a lot of categories in there, okay? So trivia, what do you think has the highest inflation sector consumer <clears throat> good over the last six months a year? I'm going to go with the gas pump. Gas pump, you got <laughs> it. So gas pump, depending upon what you look at, you know, gasoline all types says 48%. Makes sense, right? Yes, it, was, it does. 250 or whatever the number was, and now it's four bucks or some number like that, mm-hmm. right? So 48%. Um, when you look at energy, okay, that's a more broad category. Now we're talking our homes, our electric, other things as a, as a broad category of electric. 
uh, excuse me, is energy, mainly electric, is up 12%. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's more expensive to charge your Tesla. <laughs> it's more expensive to heat your home, to do those things, whether it's gas or electric. What else? Restaurants. Are restaurant prices <clears throat> up or down? They're up. Eight and a half percent is the number I'm looking at right here. I believe that. Seems about right. Mm-hmm. right? Your cheeseburger used to cost you 10 bucks. Now it's 11 bucks. Right. It's generally about it. Um, technology, things you purchase are up mm-hmm. uh, roughly seven and a half percent. So the iPad you bought a year ago roughly cost you 7% more. Okay. As you get down though, so all those things we listed, yes, they do impact consumers. They do impact retirees. Obviously, you have to live in a place. You have to do that. But as we get down further, we get into things like housing. Okay. Housing's up. Certainly depends on what area you're in. But as a national average, is 6.4%. Yep. Okay. We keep going down. Rent, 4.4. Okay. Now we're getting down into a more reasonable range. Medical care, 3%. And education, two and a half. Okay. So as you look at that, it is important, I believe, to not just throw out, oh, everything's 9% more expensive. <clears throat> yes. It's not. We know gas prices are up. And and yeah, there are retirees and people that drive a lot. But generally speaking, specific to a retirement, <clears throat> that's one you can control, I feel, pretty well. Yeah, you can. And most of the retirees also will remember the <coughs> 70s and 80s where that was really led by who controls or attempts to control inflation, the Federal Reserve, right? That's so right. So 70s and 80s, they were, they had what was called kind of a stop and go monetary policy where they were raising interest rates to combat inflation. Yep. So obviously what you're seeing right now is the Fed has, what, four more interest rate hikes Roughly. planned this year. Sometimes just simply the threat of of the planned hikes versus hikes themselves will slow spending. Obviously, raising and in, raising interest rates raises you know loan rates, mortgage rates, car loan rates, slows spending, slows inflation. So as they were doing that, they were also then discouraging companies from growing, which would then bring on unemployment. So they'd turn around and lower them to combat unemployment, raise them to combat inflation, lower them to com- to combat unemployment, which is what caused those inflation gains in the 70s and 80s. <clears throat> now, today, it's not that much different where we have this strong consumer demand. Like everybody, for whatever reason, wants to buy something right now. I don't get that. I don't either. But you have persistent supply chain issues. You've probably heard that yes. before. And so you've got, you can't get the things that sits in port longer. I can't get the parts, whatever it may be. And then you have, the big one, which is the labor shortages, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That's obviously affecting restaurants, affecting all these things. So not too much different when you look at unemployment or, you know, rising inflation as to what we saw back then. Then, of course, you have the political and social unrest going on in Russia and the Ukraine, which obviously as we put more sanctions or other countries put sanctions on Russia, where you do get goods from, that, of course, then chokes out the supply chain a little bit more. So, is it going to be forever? No. no. Is it going to be for a while? Probably. <clears throat> so as we watch inflation continue along, you know, the tough part that it puts a retiree in is they can't just go out and work a couple more hours or a couple more shifts. Their spending is their spending. So although they can control it, 
there isn't really much you can do way later in life other than just spend less. There are things you can do as you're building towards the plan for it. Yeah, and I think uh, when you look at you know some of those inflation numbers, when you talk about you know the CPI and all of these things, I do think it's important that you really spend. You can spend 20 minutes, and you look at you know consumer spending or inflation by category. It's important when you're talking to retirees because it's easy for someone to sit down and say everything's you know, sheet of plywood is double. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that might be the case. How many sheets of plywood are you going out to buy <laughs> in the next three years? The answer is very little. And so you look at those things and you're like, okay, listen, 8%. When you look at the categories you spend and where you can control spending, let's be realistic. Your cost of living is probably in that 4 or 5% right now mm-hmm. in this period that we live in. And however, the last several decades, right. it's been very low. So are we behind on it a little bit in terms of, you know, what things cost? Probably. Are things more expensive? They are. Are they, is it going to last for five more years? It won't. Uh, it can't. It's impossible. And that is what's, you know, when you look at, if you talk about actually retiree spending or people spending in general, your big ticket items, it's expensive to travel right now, right? Airplane tickets yes, are a ton. Very. So if you don't have to go, you could skip not going on your vacation right. this year. You'd be in a good spot. Gas, obviously gas kind of is what it is. Groceries are what they are, but they're kind of nickel dime in the grand scheme of things. I saw one money manager talk and her point on gas was that even though gas prices are higher, if you really look back 10, 15 years ago, your cars were so much less efficient yes. that you're caught, you're spending pro rata of your income versus your Gas spending is actually probably about the same. You remember right now. not that long ago, and I don't even know the date, a year or two ago, when <clears throat> a barrel of oil was like 40 bucks? Yes. And what did everybody say then? You can't even afford to drill it. You can't afford to <laughs> drill it. Oil is <laughs> never going back to 100. It's uh-huh. impossible. We're more electric. You know, the oil industry is dead. I mean, that's that was when you listen to CNBC, when you listen to the general talking points, that was it. We have become quote, energy independent in this country. And don't ever buy, don't ever buy uh, stocks. Don't ever buy ExxonMobil again Mm -hmm. because their business has changed forever. And so I think the point of that is like, things are never as good or as bad as what people make them sound. So don't let people tell you, well, 7%, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be able to afford to retire. I can't do it. Now, let me go through a couple of, uh, statistics, and this gets into income planning, and I think this is an important thing we talk about. Let's assume today that you're 65 years old and you're going to retire and you make Mm -hmm. $80,000. We all know there's social security and maybe a pension and other things, but let's just, for the sake of it, $80,000. If you retire uh, at $80,000 today and you say, hey, I want $80,000 and you put inflation at 2%, Mm -hmm. it's a typical one we use, in 25 years, when you're 90, that 80,000 now is an equivalent of 131,000. Mm-hmm. Okay? Let's say you bump that up to 4%. Okay, 4%. You don't see a lot of inflation calculators at 4. That number is now 213,000 after mm-hmm. 25 years. Yep. So what that does say is that whether we have an average of 1% or 3%, we all know that spending power, you lose spending power over time. Of course. So let's talk about a few things that I think are important in terms of how do you keep up with inflation. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, we all know that there's either two ways to, you either got to increase the amount of income somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. There are things out there that do that. There are annuity products. There are stocks. And how do stocks increase? They either go up in value and you sell and you take your principal or you buy dividend paying stocks that go up over time. So if you look at a company like Johnson & Johnson, <coughs> okay, or the G50, which is 50 dividend paying stocks, J&J from 2013 to 2022 has essentially doubled their dividend mm-hmm. per share. So I think it's important when you look at that, you're really answering the question if if you have, you're not going to get more income generally into your uh, retirement if you're going to retire. And so <clears throat> you've got that money. How do we increase your income over time? And there are ways to do that. I'll tell you a way that's going to be difficult to do that is in the bond market. Okay, that is going to be a hard one to do unless rates keep going up and you haven't invested in bonds and then we're able to buy CDs and bonds at 6%. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a possibility. But for those that are already retired, we can't wait and say, well, maybe in three years we'll invest you in bonds. Right. So that's where I think, even though the stock market has gotten beat up, you know, if you got to keep pace with 4%, 5%, 6%, you can't put your money in the bank. You can't Mm -hmm. hide it under your mattress. No. And so when you look at dividend-paying stocks and you look at things like that or some annuities that have increasing income features, I believe that is a solution. And yeah, you got to take risk to put it in the stock market. But if you put your principal in something like the G50 and you know that dividends are going to increase over time and in 20 years, that's a big number. I think you also have to reconsider what your safe money allocation is. Most people aren't all stocks, all bonds. They're in some portfolio that's a 60-40 blend of whatever. And so you have to look if that 40% is, quote, the safer aspect, which is now, you know, historically speaking, been bonds. You got to look for other alternatives out there to provide the safety, but still get some some rate of return. Because like Nate said, the bank, you're going to lose money just due to just due to inflation. Yeah. And if you if you're a person that says, you know, I'm uh, I can take risk, uh, that's fine. But you need to remember that statement over a year or two, three. If you put money into the G50 <laughs> three months ago and said, hey, I'll just take my dividends. I'll be fine. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up over time. And now all of a sudden it's down 10 or 15%. And you say to yourself, well, I need to sell. Okay. You, you have locked in your 15, 10 or 15% principal loss. And then what are you going to do? Turn around and find something else? I when, mean that- When the market recovers? It, yeah. That, that is not a strategy. <laughs> if, when you put people in, you're taking the income, the dividends, that's great but that is something that you're going to have to take some risk to get um, as well as other things that can increase income when there's plenty of solutions out there that can do that. I think it was Buffett that said the stock market is a vehicle that transfers wealth from the patient to the inpatient. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you look at right now stocks that are, you know, especially tech that's down 20, 40, 60, 80%. It's tough. It's not an easy thing. Uh, I've experienced that myself personally. I don't know about you. I, I have. 20 is a good number You right think now for to yourself, me. gosh, it's down 60%. I don't know the exact math, but it's definitely over 100, <laughs> but it's got to get back for me to get my money back. That's that's difficult. So you've got all these things going on where inflation, you obviously have the volatility of the market. You know, I was looking at a, a study the other day, it's sort of the top 100 401k accounts. Uh, 
all of them are down 88 or double digit losses. So yep. like most people's 401ks Absolutely. have taken it, <clears throat> which gets us back to the discussion of, you know, really what does one do? Obviously what you have to assess is a time horizon of when do you need the money? Like I'm young enough where God willing, I work for another, you know, 20 years or whatever. I don't really care what my 401k is doing today, That's right. but one day I will. So the other big thing to really, you know, pay attention to is taxation and how things are taxed and when they're taxed, because obviously everyone's going to pay taxes. I suppose you, you don't have to, but then you, you know, you end up in some, right. somewhere you don't want to like jail, but, but you've got, you know, how can I keep more in my pocket than giving it to the government? Because I can make the same amount of money, but if I pay less in taxes than you do, I have more. Everybody bases that goal of income on their gross amount. So Nate mentioned 80,000. I make 80,000. I want 80,000 in retirement. When you really think about it, your bills don't live on your gross money. They live on your net. So what can you do to, you know, obviously control yeah, taxes? One more quick uh, talking about stock market. So there's a gentleman that I know that just retired, uh, has a couple million dollars. And he was talking to me last week and, and I don't manage his money, but um, he was saying, well, you know, I'm, I've just retired. I put, I rolled over my 401k, which I think was like 800 and it's in cash right now because he was telling me what the stock market's going to do basically over the next six months, which is a crystal ball. He does, which right. he, he didn't share with me exactly. <laughs> but I said to him, I said, I understand your concept here and it's difficult to put money in right now, <clears throat> but why don't you pick a time period? I don't care if it's a month or six months or a year and you put 25% of it in today, then you pick your time. And you, you say every three weeks or every four weeks, I'm going to put in another 10%. So you're going to dollar cost average in. Now, I told him the downside to that is that if the market keeps going down, you're not going to feel great because you keep putting money in. I'm losing money. I'm throwing it in. Flip side, it's going to feel worse if the market goes up. Then you say, well, Nate, I put a bunch of my money in back then, it was down 8%. Now it's up 8 I'm not sure. But the point I made to him was pick your time. If it's if you think this is going to last four months, put it in over the next four months. Dollar cost average. Dollar cost average doesn't have to be over 30 years. As a retiree, it can be over three months or four months, but you got to have a plan for it. You can't just sit there and then one day you'll wake up and go, today's okay, the today's day. the day where I just plow my 800000 in. the bottom. That's not a thing. So <laughs> if you do it over six months into the fall, that's great. But pick it and do it. And he said, yeah, you know, I got I to gotta figure that out, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, it's a good idea. Do it. So let's talk about that thing of taxes. Obviously, there's all kinds of taxes. You got income taxes, sales taxes, property taxes. You got taxes on money you make, things you own, all over the place. But mainly income taxes is what kind of hit most people the hardest. <clears throat> so believe it or not, in 1861, the first income tax actually was designed to help pay for the Civil War. That expired in 1872. It was not too long after that, the Supreme Court uh, had d declared income taxes unconstitutional, which in 1909, they decided to amend said constitution to bring in income taxes and obviously ratified by states in 1913 to become kind of legal nowadays. So back then, guess what the base rate for taxes was? Uh, in what year? Uh, back in 1913. 
20%. It was actually 1%, but that had a $3,000 exemption, which at that point benefited virtually the entire middle class. Incomes above $20,000 okay, annually had a surtax of up to 6%. Do you know how much $20,000 would be an equivalent of income today? Five hundred, six fifty. So obviously there was a pretty big discrepancy. A lot of people didn't have to pay too much in taxes. Now, if you look at the top historical tax rates, you've got back then in 1913, you've got them in 1916, 1944. The top tax rate was 1940 or was 94% in the fifties and seventies. It never dipped below 70%. And do you know when all these tax rates were at their highest, you know, what was going on in the world? War. War. Yep. Vietnam, Korean War. You look in uh, the 2003 to 2010, top tax rate was 35%. So you look at all these things that happened, that was really when tax rates drove up. The point being is today the top level is at 39.6, Yep. which obviously everybody's tax brackets got lowered a bit in 2017 mm-hmm. from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Point being is you don't have to... You, you do have to pay taxes, but you don't have to pay them when they say. You get to choose when and how you pay those, and that is something to certainly look at if all of your money is in yeah. qualified money, tax at ordinary income versus utilizing capital gains and, treatment. And going back to our earlier conversation about how your money's taxed, you know, this is not, well, there's two things. Number one, you look at dividend paying stocks. You got a lot of qualified dividends, which means it's taxed at qualified or, excuse me, long-term gains rates. So, understanding how your income comes out. And the average consumer does not understand that. Okay, we were talking this morning, we were doing a training this morning and about somebody comes into your office and they say, well, I'm at a 39% tax rate or I'm at a 25 or whatever it is. So talk about that a little bit, how, you know, now my, that my I'm biggest, here. My biggest pet peeve in the world. Uh, it's, it, then this is how people talk, which <laughs> you can't allow it because it's not true. They say... Uh, my my word, I, I hate this statement. They say I don't want to make any more money this year because I'll go into the next t- next tax bracket, which generally speaking means that they think that once they cross into the thirty nine percent tax bracket, it will retroactively yeah. tax you thirty nine percent on all the money. So you've you make another made. dollar and you owe them twenty thousand dollars more. Right, and I well, like during the training, I said never in your life withhold from making money. Don't ever do that. It's never a good idea. But obviously the way that tax brackets work is we all pay the same amount of money on the first, you know, 10% of up to 10,000 or whatever the numbers are. We all pay the next one. It's gradual. So you have what's called a marginal tax rate and an effective tax rate or basically the average of what you paid over your life. Now, I believe that Mr. Jeff Bezos, you had some stats on a guy who pays some Ah, taxes. Jeff. Yes, I do know Jeff. All right. So what is Jeff's net worth right now? Um, that sheet says a hundred and the one in front of me says a hundred and seventeen billion. Well, you got to calculate it. In. Um, First off, no one knows. Second off, remember he lost a good chunk of it in recent. Uh, well, recent as Amazon's issues. pulled back, but as Amazon's pulled back twenty five percent, I could see that. Right, he's lost twenty five. So well, he lost some in a divorce. Ah, he, he did lose some in a divorce. <laughs> Didn't seem to be a meaningful number in terms of what he can do, but. <laughs> You're right. So people say, they throw out this statement, wealthy people don't pay taxes Mm -hmm. or something similar, Mm -hmm. okay? Which isn't exactly true. And we can talk about some of those stats. But the reason people like Jeff or Elon up until he sold 
bunch of his stock is most people's net worth. If somebody is worth a hundred million or 117 billion, it's not sitting in their Wells Fargo account. No. Okay. It is tied up in properties in, in wholly owned or personally owned businesses or publicly owned businesses, which is Amazon. Yep. Right. So of his net worth, I don't know the stats, but I'm going to guess 90% of it is tied up in Amazon stock. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he doesn't sell it. His net worth grows by 7 billion or goes down by 20 billion. He doesn't pay taxes on that. Correct. Because his salary last year was what? (coughs) Uh, His salary last year? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I have that. It's reported but, uh, at eighty-one thousand dollars. Eighty-one grand of salary. So Jeff does not want to take a lot of money as a W two employee, right? Because it doesn't benefit him that much. He'd rather take, and if he needs to use money, cash stock. Because if he's a W two employee, what taxes does he pay? He pays federal and federal state ordinary taxes. income, yep. right? If he liquidates stock, assuming he's held it for a year, yep, he pays long term gains. Long term gains. So he pays twenty percent versus. 50%, which a darn near here is in Minnesota at those high numbers. So yep. he's using the tax code to his advantage. Now, the top 1% of people are what they kind of government will get after to say, well, they don't pay their fair share of taxes. The top 1% of people paid 30% of the total taxes in the U.S. last year. So they do pay a large amount, but they do have certain strategies they use to not do it, but it's just understanding how taxes work. Did you know what they made of the total? I don't know what they made of the total. I just know that they paid 30% of the tax. The top 1% paid 30% of federal income tax. Yep. So as you go, you keep an eye on, you know, ordinary income taxes, understand taxes, understand how they work. But I would say the biggest thing that you can do is you have to have patience. You have to have education in this because no one's going to educate it for you. And you got to be make sure you're paying attention to what's going on in the world and not have emotional reactions to the market's down, inflation's high, whatever it may be. This, let's say this last two years, is a blip on the radar of the 80 years that you've been here. And don't forget what happened the last 10 years. <laughs> and let, let's uh, let's talk a little Roth. Okay. So trivia question. Let's say you had a hundred grand in your IRA mm-hmm. three months ago. Fully taxable. And it is down 20%. Throw out a number. It is now worth 80000 Yes. Do you think now would be a good time to look at converting that Roth? Uh, I do think it would be a good you time. You are paying taxes on 80000 versus a hundred, Assuming you have, if you do have the wherewithal financially to pay those taxes leave outside of the Roth, leave the Roth alone, you are now investing tax-free money. You paid taxes on the 80000 and now that money forever will grow tax-free at a... At a in essence, a lower basis, if you will. So Roth conversion, I believe, somebody comes in your office, they had 400 in their IRA, it's now <clears> worth 300. Investing it is one, you know, is one conversation. How are we going to invest it? But converting it is possibly a second conversation that, that should be happening. I think we're going to see a lot of Roth conversion here, uh, you know, in the coming months. I would agree. I mean, not only is your account balance lower to pay less taxes on, but your tax (laughs) rates are lower and are set to reset at the end of, what is it, 2025 2025, to go back up a couple of uh, percent to what they were pre-2017. I would agree. So we'll wrap all this up then by, you know, we obviously covered a lot on inflation, taxes, 
uh, market volatility. A lot of these things are things that you cannot control. And so instead of focusing on things you can't control, focus on the things that you can. Have a plan in place. Understand what these things are, how they affect things. Don't make emotional decisions based on whatever you saw on CNN today or Fox or whatever channel you watch. But, you know, have a plan, have the education, have the knowledge in place to be able to handle these because long term, a plan stuck to is better than just trying to figure it out in a day-to-day scenario. Yeah, everybody wants to talk about, you know, what price is this stock and what price is that stock. But at the end of the day, if you have the right tax vehicles, if you have the right, you know, non-qualified qualified money, Roth money, like that, that in my mind should be the key, especially right now, given everything going on with taxes, with inflation, with the market going everywhere, like having the right buckets laid out is probably more important than deciding, you know, should we buy Amazon or Apple? I would agree. But that's what people want to talk about because it's easy. You can sound very intelligent about it, frankly, with knowing very little. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to have a tax conversation for the average person versus, you know, let's talk about Amazon and Apple. Right. Simple. You right. Can, in five minutes, you can become an expert on those two stocks. What do you think, Apple? I really like the new iPhone. I think it's, it's going to great. Do great. <laughs> it's a great company. So I agree. Have the plan. Those tax conversations right now, I think, are is probably, I mean, the best we've had in a long time since I started doing this 16, 17 years ago. And all in all, all these things are happening right now. And I'm going to guess for the majority of you, your lives haven't changed too much. Yeah, you're spending more at the pump. Yep. Your you, your accounts are down because the market's down. You're still working. Income's still coming in. Life's still okay. You may have to hold off on that jet ski because they're double the price. You can't buy that new house. You anyway. overpay. <laughs> you can't find them anyway. But all in all, we live in a pretty dang good country. With you know pretty smart people that that control interest rates and combat inflation, so people have their opinions on if it's the right move or the wrong move. But all in all, pretty good spot to live. Yep, and just wait until oil like someday again drops to fifty dollars a barrel. Yep, people are going to be saying the exact same thing they said a year or two ago, and it probably jumps up at some point. So hang in there, be educated, uh, know what you're talking about, and and educate people. That's our goal. All right. With that, we will wrap up this episode of The Bull, the Bear, My Brother's Chair. Nate, thanks for joining me. All right. 